I cannot believe we've been doing that for eight years. <laughs> Super Bowl, Super Sunday, the Super Bowl of preaching is coming up in uh, just a few weeks. And if you've ever been a part of that day, you, you get it. If you've not been part of that day, you're going to get it. It's, it's, a, it's a great day. Uh, so much fun, but so much great spiritual content as well. So I hope you'll be marking your calendar, making plans to be here. Uh, that's the second Sunday in February, and really looking forward to, to that day. You know, and, and celebrating that, and we got a lot to celebrate. I hope as you came in today, I hope you got one of these uh, pieces of paper. If you didn't, be sure to grab one before you leave. Just a lot of great info on there that we, you know, we get a chance to kind of look back a little bit. And, you know, this is actually the second Sunday of 2023. Some of you were here last weekend, and if you were, we got to celebrate with a special lady. We want to celebrate her again, uh, who gave her life to Christ last weekend, Kelly Dennis. I got a picture of her. So let's just give it up for Kelly being baptized last weekend. <coughs> I know a lot of people are kind of making New Year's resolutions or thoughts. My New Year's resolution this year was be more awesome. And so I'm really working hard on that, but uh, I heard about a, another guy that, that made a resolution, though, and, and you know, like a lot of people, he says, I want to lose weight. I'm trying to lose weight, trying to get this under control, and uh, the problem was it, going to work every day. Right on the way to his, to his office, there's this great donut shop, and so he'd pass it every day. It's just such a temptation not to, not to stop in there, and on the way to work the other day, he said, Lord, I, you know I'm trying to trying to watch my health and my weight, and I, I know that this is the last thing I need. But uh, anyway, he went into the office, and he had a box of donuts, and one of his coworkers said, I thought you were, thought you were trying to you know, cut back and lose weight. What's the deal? And he said, well, I, I am, but, but God wanted me to have these donuts. He said, what do, you, what do you mean? How could that possibly be true? He said, as I was coming into the office today, I prayed, Lord, if, if it's your will for me to buy a box of donuts, then make there be an open parking space right in front of the donut shop. And sure enough, wouldn't you know, the fourth time around the block, there it was, right in front. <laughs> well, I hope you're making some resolutions. We're, we're excited for, for Kelly as she begins her new life in Christ. We're excited to see what this year has in store. And I just want to take a couple of minutes. I, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And I think there's some great words of the Apostle Paul that are encouraging to our lives individually and as 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 us in families and as a church family i think there's a lot of great stuff in there but i just want to take a couple of minutes just to kind of look back a little bit you may not know this because you know you think about the last few years have really really been brutal you know in a lot of different ways from a shutdown and a pandemic to recession and inflate you know not recession yet but inflation and all this kind of crazy stuff happening and it would be easy to think, man, this has just, just been bad, bad, bad. But uh, I don't know if you know that the year 2022, pretty much every way that you can, uh, every measurable way, has been just about the best year we've ever had as a church family. And I didn't realize that because I had to actually sit down and look back and kind of look through numbers and stats. And, and, uh, and, and I wouldn't have time to cover every single way that God has blessed us beyond our expectations. But here's a a few highlights for you. And hopefully, again, you got one of those fancy little infographs as you come in. I'm not going to cover everything on there, but uh, the number of people who in last year that came into a new relationship with Jesus Christ for the first time, that was baptized, gave their life to Christ, uh, 55 people did that. Now, yeah, 
as far as as far as we could tell, that's the highest number in one year ever uh, in this in this church. And I know some of you here today, you're part of that number, and, and I know what a big deal that is for you. And not only for you, but for your family and for, for generations that you've made that big decision uh, and, and that new, that new uh, walk with God. It's amazing. But here's a number I think is interesting. You know, some people, some people have the perception or they think that the church, you know, worldwide is, is struggling and dying. I'll often see covers of magazines. Uh, it seems like every year around Christmas and Easter time, they'll say, oh, the church in America that's dying, and they'll show a picture of some big cathedral with like five old people sitting in it all spread out, and, and it gives you the sense that, oh, man, you know, the church is dying, what's happening? Uh, at least 25% of our congregation is under the age of 18. We currently have 100 active birth through elementary kids that call this place home, 50 middle school and high school students that are involved here in student ministry. And speaking of, of growth, according to, to church growth ask, experts, people that look into this and dig into they look at the stats and the numbers, uh, a healthy rate of growth for a church is 5% a year. Because you're going to lose some to death or people moving away or whatever the reason. You, so, uh, you know, you lose a percent or two. So about 5%, they say that's, that's good, healthy. You're, you're, you're continuing to trend up just a little bit. In 2022, we grew by 26.5%. Yeah. Now, before, before the pandemic, we had some pretty amazing years. And I'll tell you why, I, why I'm excited about that number. Because we had some really great years. But I don't think we ever had a year that, that was that big. We, we hit 20, I think, once or twice. But we didn't, we, we didn't get 26.5%. And I, I'm excited about that. Well, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Because on the one hand... I recognize that the, the growth that we've seen, the people that, that, are, that are new and coming here, they're, they're brand new to us. They're people giving their lives to Jesus for the very first time. They're, we're reaching the lost. Uh, it, a lot of times, I think a lot of us were expecting that there were people that were here before March of 2020 that were part of our church that at some point they would return. I think what we've realized is they're not, that they've moved on, and we have to accept that as hard as that is. They've moved on. But a lot of this growth, is, are new people meeting Jesus for the very first time, and, and that to me is very, very exciting. Uh, God has blessed us tremendously. Uh, it's a huge reminder, I think, and as I've thought about it this past week, just a big reminder that the mission of Jesus has to be the mission of the church, that we are here to reach, to seek and save the lost to reach people so that they might know Jesus as their Savior and find a church home here as well. Our Celebrate Recovery ministry averages about 165 people a week. That's an 83% growth rate from the beginning of the year. I mean, it's been, been incredible, which comes with its whole set of other challenges. We talk about the costs of things that have gone up. You know, they, we feed every, everybody that comes here is fed a meal on Friday night. And some of you, are, you help with that and preparing meals and things. So, you know, with the cost of food... And everything else has been some challenges, but God has met our needs. Even with, I can't even tell you the, the number of times we'll get unexpected checks in the mail. We don't even know where they came from. We had several, several, several thousand dollars that came in at the end of the year that helped close the gap from people, individuals, and organizations that we didn't even have a connection with. Just kind of showed up. It's amazing that God is really taking care of our needs. Some other cool info this year, we started, uh, we started 11 new small groups 
an average of 119 people every week in those groups. We had over 100 people involved in our uh, big summer service project where we helped our local schools get ready for the first day of school. We provided 220 Christmas bags for kids in our community in need. We gave, over, uh, we gave away 60 bicycles, 60 boxes of love to families in crisis. We thank Ford UAW for being able to partner with them, and it's been a tremendous, tremendous relationship for us. And uh, we were able to give away over $51,000 to missions and benevolence needs locally and around the world. So I'll tell you why that's important. It's, it's really important because while we all want to experience uh, God however we can, we recognize that there are certain things that we need to turbocharge our growth. We all want to be experiencing God. We all want to be growing. But there's some things that you need to do. You've got to take a big step and you've got to, you've got to step outside of what's comfortable. And there's only so much growth that you can experience from behind a screen. And there's only so much growth that you can experience from sitting in this room. As wonderful as that is, and it's, it's a good opportunity for us to, okay, we get to, we get to worship and we get to you know, dive into God's word together. We don't want you to just attend something. We don't want you to just watch something or to be a casual viewer. We want your life to be fully and holistically aligned with Jesus Christ. That means serving. That means getting uncomfortable. It means being generous because God has called us to be generous. You, you, these, all these blessings and the fruit that God wants you to have in your life, you can't do that until you're connected with other believers and you're serving and you're learning how to be generous. And many of you are doing just that. You're doing it and you're seeing the fruit. We, we're seeing the fruit. But I hope that many more of you will be growing into those things in the next 12 months. Now, I want to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 today. Um, but but one, one more thing before I get there. Let me read one verse that I really wanted to read over you today. It's Philippians 1 verse 6. Paul says, And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So what, what does that verse mean for your life? It means that your future is secure. That's what it means. It means that the things that we wring our hands about, and we are so worried, and it keeps us up at night because we don't know what's going to happen next week or next month or next year. You know, there's all kinds of little stressors in our life. We've all got, we've all got a certain amount of problems. Every one of us, we've all got a certain amount of just tension that we're trying to manage and deal with. But the truth is, and the truth from God's word, is your future, my future, is secure. The things that cause us to be afraid. You know, the Apostle Paul, if you know much about his story, after he became a follower of Jesus, he, he started a bunch of churches. And he, he really had a passion for a particular group of people in the city of Thessalonica. It's a famous city. Now, this is, this is interesting. That city, it was, it was, was well-known, it's a famous place, but it was a big port. So Paul wanted to start a church there because he really believed that if he could start a church there, if the gospel could take root in that city because it's a port, a major port, it had a chance of getting out. 
and going to other places and landing in other cities. And so that was his hope. That was his, his goal. And, and it would be very strategic. So he preached there a few times. And they started this church. But then he, he moved on and left. And he wasn't sure whether or not it had taken root. He just wasn't sure. You know, what, what's happened there? And so he sent his... Uh, his apprentice, Timothy, a guy named Timothy, to go and check out what was happening. And I just want to read to you what Paul says to these people. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. He says, well, finally, when we could stand it no longer, we decided to stay alone in Athens, and we sent Timothy to visit you. He's our brother and God's co-worker in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to you to strengthen you to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles that you were going through. You know, even these people are going through trouble. There's just trouble in our life everywhere. I, I heard about a guy that had some trouble the other day. He's, he went into the bank, and there's an old lady there. She says, can you help me check my balance? So he pushed her over. <laughs> I just had to sneak that one in. <laughs> Paul, that's terrible. <laughs> Paul, but Paul, he, he's worried for these people. You, you can hear it in his voice. He said, we want to do, we want to uh, send Timothy to keep you from being shaken by these troubles that you're going through. And you know that, that we're destined. We're destined. It's in our destiny. This, we're headed towards more trouble, he says. Even while we were with you, verse 4, even while we were with you, we warned you that troubles would soon come. And they did, as you well know. That is why, when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. I was afraid that the tempter, the devil, Satan, had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. So you can see what, what's happening. He's, he's got a level, Paul has a level of anxiety for these people. He, he so much, he so badly wanted there to be a church there, wanted people to know Jesus Christ and to have their lives changed by him. And he says, I was really worried about you guys. I was afraid that, that your, your faith would be shaken. All these troubles happen. It's just, you know, what happens even today in, in many of our lives and people that we know is we can meet Jesus for the first time and you're kind of like a babe in Christ. You're taking those first little baby steps and learning what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And th that's the exact precise moment that the devil wants to tempt you and snatch that faith away. Many people... Their faith is shaken in, in, those, in those early moments. He says, I was afraid that, that the devil would have gotten the best of you. He had good reason. I, I, like what, I like what Billy Graham used to say. I heard him say one time that Satan is the father of lies, the greatest liar of all time. You know, a lot of people make jokes about the devil. We sort of, you know, it's sort of like, oh, we think about this red guy with horns and a pointy pitchfork. And we, oh, we just sort of think it's funny and not that big of a deal. He's the greatest liar of all time. That's the thing, when you're, when you're lied to and you're convinced of a lie, you don't realize that you've been convinced of a lie. And Paul is saying, I was so worried that your faith might have been shaken. So I sent Timothy to go check it out. Look what he says next, verse 6. He says, but now Timothy has just returned, bringing us good news about your faith and love. He reports 
that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. So we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith. It gives us new life to know that you're standing firm in the Lord. This is a group of people that they have been absolutely changed because they know Jesus now. That's the difference. Everything is different. And, and this is the thing that, that cannot be missed. And I think many of us believe, you know, I, I don't have like a I don't have like an anchor statement today. I don't have like, oh, here's my point. But if I were to have a point, I think this is what it would be. I think for for many of us, we believe that following Jesus means behavior modification. That I don't do bad stuff anymore. I, or what, whatever, you know, however we, we define that. I'm trying not to do bad stuff and I'm trying to do better stuff. And, and sometimes the lines get a little blurry there. Well, what, what, what really is bad? What would be considered you know, wrong or sinful or outside of God's intention for my life? You know, what is that versus what are the things that he wants me to do? For a lot of us, we think that following Jesus means I'm trying to look like a Christian. So I dress a certain way, and I talk a certain way, and, I, and, I, and, I, you know, and the things that I think may not be socially acceptable, I'm at least going to do them in private so that nobody else can see it because I want to look like a Christian. We think it's behavior modification, but it's not. Following Jesus is about life transformation. It's that he changes who we are, the essence of who we are, from the inside out. It's not about me trying to clean myself up. Not about me trying to do the right things or trying to say the right things and trying to convince you that I really am the real deal. I believe that when a person is walking with God, when they are in relationship with Jesus Christ, that is evident. People see it without you even speaking a word. It's, it's just something changes. You ever, you ever see that when you're around someone? I mean, I know I've had this experience many a time. Well, I'll meet somebody for the first time. And just a casual, I mean, we can be talking about the Bengals game. I mean, we can be talking about whatever. It doesn't matter. Some, some unimportant topic. And I just sense, I'm like, this person's a believer. I can just tell. I can just tell from the way that they, that they talk and the, the, just the way that they are. And, and sure enough, you, you know, it comes out and you realize they, they are. It, it's about life transformation. That's what following Jesus is about. And that's what's happening here. Paul is overjoyed. He says, Timothy's come back and we realize this has taken root. I was afraid your faith would be shaken. I was afraid that you were thinking that this was all about trying to change your behavior and then trouble would come and it would knock you off course and you'd give up, throw up your hands and say, forget this. But he said, I'm so overjoyed. And I love what he says in the next two verses. He says, how we thank God for you. We thank God for you. You guys got it. You got it. We have great joy as we enter God's presence night and day. We pray earnestly for you, asking God. I love this next line. We're praying for you, asking the Lord to let us see you again to fill in the gaps in your faith. Isn't that good? Because that is the beauty of the church. 
That is why we are here. That's why we do what we do. That's why we talk about getting involved, being connected. Let's be real people rooted in Jesus. Get in a, in a small group. Let's study God's word together. Let's walk. Let's do life together. All those things. Why? Because we want to fill in the gaps in each other's faith. Iron sharpens iron. That word, I looked it up, uh, looked it up in the original language. It's a Greek word called hysterema. Fill in the gaps. Hysterema. It means it can also be used, and it's used in other places, but it talks about uh, deficiency or poverty, like uh, providing for a need. You know, there was a gap, there was a hole, there was something that was, that was you know, a huge, a huge gap, a huge need, and then it's like someone has just filled the gap there. This is something I hope that you learn as you grow in your faith. The, the more that I'm growing, the more that I'm walking with God and learning more about his word and learning more about who he is, the more I realize how little I know. I mean, man, I know that that's true in life, but it is so true in a relationship with Jesus. The more I'm learning about him, the more I realize I am so, my, my brain, my, my thinking is so, 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 so small. And I see a lot of people, there's a lot of people in our world that are arrogant and puffed up and they think they know everything that they need to know. I, I remember years and years ago a, when I was very first starting out in ministry at another church, talking to this old guy that would never, we would never, he would never serve. He was never involved in, in, a, in a Sunday school class or a small group or would, would never do anything. And I remember asking him one time because I was young and stupid. Now I just leave it alone. But back then I said, hey, you know. Why, why aren't you involved in anything? You know, we, we're, we're the church and we're here for one another. And, what, what, and, he, and I remember him saying, because I already know everything I need to know. I've learned it all. And I thought, well, then why aren't you teaching then to share your great knowledge? You know? But no, you know, he, just, he knew it all. And, and there are people that whether, it is, whether it's that obvious or whether it's subtle, there's a lot of people that think, well, I already know everything I need to know about the Lord. And they think that they're always right. And they've got the right answer. And in reality, a huge mark of maturity is when we admit our weaknesses and our limitations. I heard a quote this week, the older I get, the more I realize how little I knew when I knew it all. That might be a country song, I'm not sure. It's part of the beauty of the church, God's people. God uses us to help fill in the gaps in one another's faith. I've had a lot of ups and downs in my life, a, a lot of, you know, low moments. And it's always been the people around me that have been where I've been, that have been able to speak into my situation and my circumstances and say, hey, I've been there, I understand. But it's, it's, here's, here's where it's going to get better, and here's what you can learn. Here's the opportunity. Philippians 1, 6, you know, God who began a good work in you, will be faithful to complete it. The future is secure. That's something I really struggled with, um, you know, a couple of years ago. When, when the world was turned upside down, when we had to close the doors uh, for a number of months, and, and I, I'll be honest with you, I was, I was really angry about that. I don't know if that ever came through or not. Maybe when I got up here and said, man, I'm really angry about this, that <laughs> might, might have gotten the memo. But I was, I was really angry, and I was, I was angry at the decision that we had to make. I was angry at God. Uh, I was angry at the suffering. I was angry at the fact that there were people that I knew that lost so much. I was angry at the fact that there were people that 
you know, were sick and lost their lives. I was angry. I was just a lot, lot of anger, and, and I, I watched as a great number of people just walked away from the faith, some of my very best friends. Uh, there are people in my life that, you know, I'd been at their wedding, or I'd officiated their wedding, and they just walked away from their marriage like it meant nothing. I, I knew people that took their own lives, people that sank into such a dark depression, they lost every ounce of faith in the Lord. And I think I felt a similar kind of stress that Paul felt when he said, I'm worried that this trouble, that the devil, that, that I'm, I'm afraid that he will have gotten the best of you. That's what he said. And for some, that absolutely has, has happened. And as much as that breaks my heart, I, I am also equally overjoyed with the work that God has been doing in the lives of so many people in so many unexpected ways. You know, every one of us is going to have to stand before the Lord at some point, and we're going to have to give an account. You know, we will stand before Christ, and, and I can't control the decisions that other people make. I can only hope and pray that they continue to find their way back to Christ. And that the gaps in their faith will be filled. But I'm thankful that God has been faithful to do what he does. He continues to draw lost and broken people. And he's a good shepherd. He goes after for the one lost sheep. So I'm going to finish reading this chapter in 1 Thessalonians 3. Verse 11, he says, May God our Father and our Lord Jesus bring us to you very soon. He says, I want, I want to go back. I want to see you guys again. He says, And may the Lord make your love for one another... And for all people, grow and overflow. Just as our love for you overflows. He says, I want you guys to keep, keep loving each other. Keep growing. Keep walking together. He says, and may he, as a result, make your hearts strong, blameless, and holy. As you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. Amen. I read that this past week. And I thought, what a great challenge for Fairdale Christian Church. What a great challenge for us. How could we be those types of people? How could we be the types of people that our love for one another, that our love for all people continues to grow, continues to overflow, and that our hearts would be strong, blameless, and holy? But those are three really great challenges. Strong, blameless, and holy. And some of you do that so well, you're an inspiration. It's you're, you're a joy and you reflect Christ so well. Others, I, I know it's been a struggle, but you're making the effort. See, I'm, I'm trying. I'm still growing. I know I, don't, I know I miss the mark sometimes. I know I'm not totally there, but you're aware of it. You're aware. I've, I know I've got some gaps in my faith. I know it. I just want to lean into you for, for just a minute if that's you. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you, you are the, that person that says, I'm trying to grow but the devil is a liar, and he's lying to me, and I'm struggling. Maybe you, you've been carrying a grudge for many years, and it's like a smoldering fire inside you, just waiting for the moment to, to erupt into flames. There could be some unresolved conflict in our lives that we haven't dealt with in a healthy way. If we're going to be people whose hearts are strong, blameless, and holy, we have to deal with unresolved conflict, unresolved issue, if it's an ongoing pattern of sin in your life that's causing you to be numbed out. See, I just keep throwing myself head first into sin. 
uh, you know, you've lost all sensitivity and, and feeling. You find yourself just feeling anxious all the time. It's time to get serious about surrendering to God, having a holy heart. For some of us that are totally enslaved to fear, the only way that we're ever, ever going to overcome that is by confronting it. You know, what, what is it that has such a grip on you? Where's the fear coming from? What's the root of that? We've got to find the help, get the support, turn to God and ask for a strong heart. Some of us, maybe we struggle with focus. Because you're physically here, as in, as in like your body is in this room, but your mind is a million miles away from here. It's racing, and you're thinking about everything else. You've let everything invade your life, and it's become a real problem. If we're going to pursue a, a blameless heart, how can we let our love for others grow and overflow? Because that's what the, the church is called to be. It's who we have to be. How will anyone know the truth? How will anyone know the hope that's available to them through Christ Jesus without a group of people who represent him well. This is a great church. I'm, uh, I am, I'm thankful that we have each other, and it is, it is so vitally important that we continue to strive to be who God calls us to be. I just want to close with this, because uh, sometimes you just come across a quote or a thought that is so full of truth and insight, it just has to be shared. And so I came across this last night. It's a quote by C.S. Lewis. He said, I think that God doesn't necessarily want us to be happy. I think he wants us to be lovable, worthy of him, able to be loved by him. The most dangerous illusion of them all is the illusion that all is well. Self-sufficiency is the enemy of salvation. If you are self-sufficient, you have no need of God. If you have no need of God, you will not seek Him. If you do not seek Him, you will not find Him. God loves us. So He makes us the gift of suffering. Through suffering... We release our hold on the toys of this world and know that our true good lies in another world. We're blocks of stone out of which the sculptor carves forms of men. The blows of his chisel, which hurt us so much, are what make us perfect. The suffering in the world is not the failure of God's love for us. It is that love in action Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. For believe me, this world that seems to us so substantial is no more than shadow lands. Real life has not yet begun. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for just the, the, the chance that we get, the opportunity that we have to be here together and to continue to be inspired and convicted by your word and by your spirit. Help us to be the, the kinds of people that you call us to be. Speak to our hearts. I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict us of the sin in our life. Convict us of the of the moments that we are running in the opposite direction of you. Help us to keep our 
our minds and our hearts focused. Help us to keep chasing you, seeking you, because I know that when we do, we'll find you. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for these, these people. I pray that in the, the coming year that we would learn to love you, that we would learn to be faithful to you um, in more ways than we could imagine today. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Have a great week. I'll see you next Sunday.